Ready? Yep. Trust your guide. Trust your guide. Fish <laughs> on. Here we go, baby. Let's go. Woohoo! Oh, baby. Bow task. No! That's a big one. Oh, yeah. Nice, Jeff. Snorts were so intimidating. Like, there can't be another animal uh, in North America that can make a sound remotely like that. No. But first, a word for our partners. Alaska Rodco. Alaskan handmade rods. National Wild Turkey Federation South Sound Strutters, your conservation organization for Washington State turkey populations and habitats. Heather's Choice, healthy, flavorful, dehydrated meals for the backcountry. Use our discount code THEYOUNGGUIDES15 to save at checkout. Shell Art Studio, original Alaskan-focused art. Slay Jays, it ain't all about the catching. Would you? Oh, sorry, I missed <laughs> <laughs> oh it's like is that a is that a jump scare <laughs> oh, i was like God. kyle's voice got really high <laughs> all right here we go welcome back to another episode of the young guys podcast i'm keaton and i'm kyle and today we have on uh mr macro from alaska rodco and uh we just wanted to touch base with matt on the podcast it's been a little over two years since we had him on um, you know, when we first had Matt on, you know, Alaska Rod Co. was just getting going. It was just becoming a thing. And it's been amazing to see how much uh, Matt and Alaska Rod Co. has grown in the last two years. Um, Matt's, you know, he's our first partner on the podcast. And, um, you know, he's always supported us. We've supported him as much as we can. And, you know, the three of us talk off air uh, quite a bit. And uh, we just wanted to get Matt on today and record a little bit of a life update and a business update. So thanks for hopping on tonight, Matt. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's good to be back. Awesome. Thank you. Matt, to just start out this conversation, when you uh, ever, you know, do an introduction, do you ever like caw like a crow? Um, No, I've never thought of that before. I think like that's a, like a calling card. Oh, dude, that should be your signature on podcasts. Like, come in like Matt Crow, you know? Caca. Oh, no. <laughs> That's what uh, we're I mean, doing. Yeah, maybe that. Yeah, I, I did have some coworkers used to uh, call me Crowbar. Dude, it's like, okay, you know how people do commercials, right? And they got the jingles. People are going to remember mm -hmm. you for Alaska Rodco because they're going to think of Crow and then boom, right into the Caca. Buying Alaska Rodco rods. There we go. I mean, I'll probably sign out with e emails instead of like regards. I'll be like, Kaka! Instead. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's... No, that's, that's great. So how you been, Matt? What's new with you? Oh, boy. I don't even know where to start. I've been good. I've been really, really good. Um, yeah, I think we were talking. It's been forever since I've been on, but... Uh, yeah, I think when I was first on with you guys, um, I was still uh, working out of the garage, um, just kind of retrofitted the whole garage, got the car out there. And yeah, I was in there for three years. And uh, yeah, at the time when I spoke to you guys, I think I only had maybe a couple dozen rods sold. 
when I was really starting out. And then now fast forward to where we are now. Um, I mean, I'm not sure if I'm in the thousands yet, but I mean, I got rods from coast to coast, you know, down, down in Florida, East coast, West coast. And yeah, it's, it's grown pretty rapidly. So it's been, it's been fun, but it's been pretty crazy. Yeah. That's awesome. Heck yeah. Well, so, and since then you've, you moved new location, you had a, you had a, a human being, right? I did. Yes. <laughs> I had a mini me. Uh, yeah, he was born uh, last June, June 19th. And so little boy. So that, that's been awesome. You know, it's been super fun and definitely added to the, to the crazy of everything, but it's a, it's a crazy kind of fun, but uh, yeah, he decided to show up uh, kind of in the busy season. So it was, it was kind of nuts. I remember uh, sitting in the, in the delivery room and, you know, we were going through the birth situation and stuff. And like my phone was blowing up. I had guides calling me and stuff like that. And so <laughs> I was trying to respond to people, you know, at like 2 a.m. Like, oh, I'm sorry. Like my son's being born. Like, you know, wait till I get discharged and I get back to the shop, you know. So it was it was a it was a crazy time. But it was good. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. You got him in there making rods yet? He's all, you know, he's coming up on a year old. He's going to start turning rods pretty soon. Yep, he's just he's just to the point where we're starting to teach him like bye bye where he can wave. So I'm like, oh, he's moving his little fingers so he gets you on the rod lathe. <laughs> he's gonna have arthritis by 15, just working the rods. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, but uh, so yeah, um, 20. Fast forward to 2023. 20, so yeah, we we had him in June, and then. Around that time, uh, we finally were at the place where we wanted to move out of the garage and actually have a, an actual rod shop where it's totally built and catered to just rod production. So we kind of started that journey around that time. And then it wasn't until just recently, like uh, probably like the beginning of December, uh, we actually fully moved into the shop and actually got things going. Yeah, that's awesome. And how, how is that? Ex I mean, is it night and day from the garage that you're working in? Oh, night, night and day. I mean, because the garage, I tried to retrofit as, as best I could, but, you know, having a place that is completely temperature controlled, controlled the humidity, a clean environment, no dust, you know, you can control the lighting, like every, every aspect of it is just an absolute game changer. So it's, it's, it's awesome. That's awesome. So is this um, on the same property that you're living on, or are you now like separate property and everything? How's that working out? Uh, yep. Yeah. So it's the same property for a while there. I was actually, I was looking for land and as you guys know, I mean, land was, you know, super expensive and there was numerous times where I would get a Zillow notification that like all oh, land popped up. And me and my wife would hop in the car and we're literally like racing over there. And my realtor would call me when we're like five minutes into the drive and say, oh, sorry, like turn around. It's already been sold. Like that's how fast land was selling around here. So I think it was, it was like, I think the fifth time that happened to me, I was like, okay, I, we, we can't keep doing this. And I, we were busting at the seams in the garage. I could, we couldn't do it anymore. And so I was like, all right, we got to, we got to make something happen. So <laughs> I got out of the car, 
and I was walking around my property. It was like eyeballing, like, where can I put a shop? Like, where, where, where can I clear some trees and land? And, uh, yeah, just kind of a side lot that uh, uh, was, you know, tree bushes or whatever. And, uh, yeah, I just got the measuring tape out and measured out some stuff. And lo and behold, it would work to have a building there. So we just scrapped the idea of a off-site location and started clearing land and made it work. <laughs> Crazy. And how did you, yeah. what was like your vision in building this? How how did you perfect it so that you could make it as easy as possible for building rods? Yeah, so the biggest thing that I wanted to make sure of was um, the heater. Because, I mean, I'm doing all the epoxy in here. And so I, I kept my garage at a constant 77 degrees. But, you know, being a garage, it would fluctuate here and there. And it was always hard at the winter time. And so I really wanted to make sure that I could control the temperature and the humidity. Because those are two things that really, you know, depend on optimal epoxy. And so uh, when I was building when I got the building here, cause it was, it was a prefab and I had it delivered, but it was just bare bones. It was, you know, a shell basically. So um, when the building got dropped here, uh, I started researching the different like insulation types and it came up that the best insulation was that spray foam insulation. And so I had the entire building spray foamed and then I installed a, a 30,000 BTU heater and so I can actually get the, the whole building up to 90 degrees and hold there. And, you know, the, the heater's kind of oversized for the building. And then with the spray foam, I can keep the building at 90 and my, my heating bill is still very low. Yeah, that's good. What's the layout look like? Are you... Yeah, so heat. Uh, so the, the layout is it's, it's pretty open open concept. I wanted it as open as possible. I got several lathes up against the walls and then hanging on the walls. I have uh, dryer mounts on the walls so they, they go up uh, vertically. Sweet. Sweet. So yeah, because I, want, I wanted it as open as possible and then just utilize wall space to... Yeah, because I didn't, I didn't want the building too big. I wanted kind of low, low ceilings and I didn't want the shop so big where it would be hard to heat, you know? Yeah. Is that building prefabricated in Alaska or, or how did you come or like, well, how'd you come across that? Yep. Yeah. So there's a company in Sterling. Um, they were called Sterling sheds. Now I think they're Northwoods buildings. Uh, don't quote me on that, but they're located in Sterling, Alaska. And they, yeah, they make just awesome, awesome quality pre that buildings and then uh they deliver them all over the place in alaska so man sterling shed sounds yeah, so i ordered <laughs> yeah I, I think they i i think this uh his son took over and, and changed the name i think like a couple a couple years ago gotcha but uh but yeah the the buildings they're super well made and yeah the nice part was is yeah all i you know once i got the land cleared and everything they just basically pulled up in a gigantic truck and backed it up and dropped it off that's awesome 
you talked about uh, yeah and i think uh uh you talked about multiple like oh, you talked about multiple lays in uh in your shop uh ha have you felt like it's becoming a it, it's made your work e easier or do you feel like there's a lot more work now when you look at uh like your shop and what's going on around it um yeah i mean as far as like workload that's extremely a lot more a lot more busy um but as far as um having the shop like when i it was so nice having a shop just starting from scratch because i was able to slowly build it and just create just a, a really good workflow and so it, it took a little bit when i first moved in to kind of get used to it because i was so used to being in, in the garage but uh, having the big open space and then having just a good all-around workflow and it definitely helped up production quite a bit that's awesome are you do you feel like uh, i maybe this is jumping ahead in the conversation but do you feel like there's room in that space to bring on a second hand in the shop yep yeah that that's why i made sure there was space for uh, an extra lathe um so because eventually uh, at this point like i always knew that it wasn't necessarily sustainable to keep doing it myself you know i mean the you know especially since having a kid the days of waking up at 5 a.m and getting off the lathe at, at 2 a.m is you know that's that's a pretty hard grind so um but that that will be the next step is finding that right person that i can that i can bring on eventually i'm not quite there yet and and if i'm being honest it's it also is a little i don't want to say scary but just tricky to navigate you know bringing on you know an employee so to speak like what does that look like you know business wise and all that kind of stuff it definitely adds to the to the business and you know kind of makes things a little more tricky no for sure um you're going to be providing them a place to sleep right at your place they can live live in your house and work in your shop <laughs> they get they can live in the shop they get you know it, it's always nice to fall asleep to 90 degrees <laughs> <laughs> have fever dreams in the middle of the night nice yep nice and toasty you never have to worry about being cold yeah that's funny oh that's awesome well let's uh is there anything else you want to talk about the shop or anything before we kind of move on? Um, yeah, no, I think we covered pretty much everything, everything about the shop. Heck yeah. Well, let's talk about rods. What's, what's new with rods. You, you have anything, uh, any new models out? What's, what's up with that? Yeah. So I think, uh, since talking to you guys, um, I've come out with, I got, you know, spay rods. I think when I talked to you initially, I only had single hand fly rods, but uh, yeah, I have a whole line of uh, single hand spay, uh, spinning, uh, sockeye, uh, casting slash trolling. Um, and I make, you know, just quite a bit, just custom orders too. But uh, um, I switched over all of the hardware on my rods. Initially, they were um, ring grade stainless steel. Um, but then I think it was probably around last year, I opened up some bigger wholesale accounts with my parts suppliers and uh, switched everything over to titanium. 
So definitely a, a major hardware upgrade. And uh, so, yeah, just little, little improvements here and there, uh, just trying to make them as best as they could. Um, as far as new models, I do have something pretty substantial in the works um, that I've been working on for quite some time, but I don't think I'm quite ready to reveal uh, what that is just yet. I mean, you, you guys, you guys know, obviously I've kind of let you guys in on it, but, uh, it'll probably be next, next couple of months. I'll, I'll probably drop it, but it's, it's a definitely a big one. Heck yeah. Is it like, uh, can, can customers, uh, expect, you know, one of those rocket rods where it shoots the, the line out for you. And then the Alaska rod go pull sticks out. Is that, is that pretty accurate? Yes. It's, it's, yes, it's self propulsion runs on, you know, electric is green. So no. <laughs> Hop on it, ride it up the river. Yep. I mean, oh, speaking of which, have you guys totally off topic, but whenever you're fishing the river, like you're just walking, waiting, uh, have you ever wanted to have a jetpack so you could just like hop over on the other side of the river? Like that always, whenever I'm fishing, I don't have a boat. I'm just like, man, I wish someone would just invent a jetpack just for fishing. So I could just hop over, just fly across the river and then just come right back. Dude, if it's warm enough, you just swim across. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. The, the key is not that fast. You can just swim it, right? Yeah, just swim it. That's just glacier fed, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, this is fine. See, in my, you know, like a lot of the rivers I fish in the summertime and stuff, and I'm like walking, waiting, I can just wait across them. So I'm just like, oh, I want to go fish that. And I just like walk across it. But you guys up there, you don't have that luxury. Yeah, I know there's there's quite a few smaller systems and stuff like that where, where you can wait across. But I always joke that uh me and my my buddy tyler were both you know i were both like five nine or whatever and my buddy oliver always showed these like seven foot tall and whenever we're waiting with oliver we're like the munchkin land trying to follow him and like oliver's is fine <laughs> but then me and me and tyler are like you know up to our chest trying to follow him <laughs> so it's like trying to follow shane around on the river too yeah oh yeah shane He's tall too. Is he like six, six foot, six one? No, I think he's like six five or something. He's he's up there. Hey, he's taller than me. Oh, really? Oh, dang. Yeah, yeah. It's always like three of my steps to one of his. So trying to follow him up and down the beach. I'm like, Shay, hold on. Yep. Wait for your net, boy. <laughs> yep. It's like the little kid behind the dad. Kyle's just running as fast as he can. Yep. <laughs> well, and then I guess I mean talking about motoring up and down the river, Matt. Don't you have a boat now that you got all fixed up and ready to hit the water? Uh, yep. Yeah. So last last fall, um, I I've been looking for for uh, like a jet boat for quite a while, and uh, last fall I was just cruising facebook and i saw this old uh, beater grumman um it was pretty i mean it's just painted john boat green it was pretty beat up had an old 
two-stroke uh, Johnson jet on it that didn't work. Uh, but the, the Grumman was built pretty solid. And what I really liked is it had a jet tunnel hull. And so I was like, oh, man, like this is boat needs a lot of love. But, yeah, I hopped on it. And, um, yeah, I sanded the whole thing down, uh, flipped it over. I put that uh, wet lander on the bottom. Um, and, yeah, I – Boy, I can't recommend that stuff enough. Like it, it makes the the bottom of the boat super slick. You can glide over rocks and gravel bars really good. Um, so yeah, redid the hull, painted it, and then uh, got a got a new motor for the back. So she's all ready to go. Has it seen the water yet? <laughs> yeah. So I I was working on it all last summer through the midst of all the craziness. So I only. I only had time to actually put it in a lake and drive it for one hour to try and break in the motor. But that's all, all I got out of it until things got too busy and it's just been sitting in storage ever since. What are your plans with it? What do you, where do you plan on taking it rivers mostly or lakes or, or what? You're going to take it across cook inlet. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, it definitely. Cause I mean, I, for a jet, I always wanted something that could run super skinny. And so, you know, it could be really late season on the Kenai and I'm not always sweating, you know, grinding up my prop and, you know, going through some of the hairy spots. So it's definitely, it'll be a great, you know, really late season boat. And then also I could probably thinking about taking it, maybe uh, going moose hunting or something and taking it up some rivers. Yeah, that's perfect. So I got yep, a question. Yeah, and she's, I mean, for, oh, go ahead. Oh, you go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say it's a, it's an 18 and a half. So it's, you know, the, the legal jet for the Kenai is a, is a 50, 30. So the motor, I mean, for a 18 footer, it'd be optimal if the boat was a little smaller for the, no, I'm not working the engine as much where, you know, you get a little bit more speed out of it, but it is kind of nice having the extra length too, just for it's a little bit more roomy. And especially if I do want to take it hunting and, you know, the extra space will kind of be a little better. Yeah. Can you fit, uh, how many people can you fit in it? Like comfortably fishing? Uh, so, uh, I would just do three. It is my, myself, and the two other guys. Otherwise it gets for being a, about that size with the jet. I mean, it's, he's, you know, running upstream, she, she's not going anywhere fast. So yeah. you lose a lot of power, the more, more stuff to put in it. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. So since last time we've, um, we've talked, you know, two years ago, how has the uh, growth of Alaska Rodco been? And, um, you know, what, what are some things that you found along the way that have been challenging and what are some things that you've really enjoyed and, um, you know, like to, like to see the growth, like what were some positives and negatives? Yeah. So I guess starting with the positives, um, as far as growth goes, I mean, I can't say enough how grateful, how much gratitude I have for, the fishing community in Alaska. I mean, I would, I can honestly say that, you know, I'm just kind of the dummy that sat down at the rod lathe and 
you know, just never quit, but it was, it's really Alaska that's made this brand. I mean, it, it is Alaska's the, the community who that rallied behind it. And, you know, people who didn't know me from Adam said, you know, we're just going to come and support this guy. We're so many people said, we're so glad this is here as a resource. And so, yeah, just the overwhelming positive aspect of just meeting awesome friends, you know, great fishing buddies and just having the, the community's whole support is, it means the world to me. So it's, yeah, that's such a, a positive aspect of it. And so super, super forever grateful for that. Um, and then probably the, the negatives have been, uh, everybody knows that, you know, producing things in Alaska is, you know, kind of is more challenging up here just for like, like shipping purposes. Um, you know, getting all the supplies up here to manufacture is, is tricky. And, um, yeah, so I guess probably one of the, one of the bigger hiccups most recently is, um, uh, obviously use epoxy for all of your guide wraps, right? And then you use a two-part epoxy to buy it, to glue up all the handles. Well, somehow or another, it got listed, I think, in like the FAA as a flammable substance. So now um, I can't have epoxy shipped up to me unless it goes like next day air on FedEx or something crazy. So, you know, when I used to get a bottle for X amount, now it's like $80 to $150 shipping just to get, you know, a little bottle of epoxy up to me. And so that's, that's been super challenging as for some reason that rule changed. And so it's just been, you know, it's such a vital, you know, thing that I use for manufacturing. It's, it's been pretty tricky to try and try and work that. Yeah. Have you found like a, a bigger you know, bottle of it or like, can you get something that, yeah. can, you know, that it's going to last? Yeah, it, it definitely like you have to, it was a, so much nicer when, you know, you just buy a bottle here and there as you need it. But now it's, it's definitely at the point where like, if you, if you want it, you got to get it in bulk. Have you considered doing anything like, um, shipping it to because like you know for for Heather's choice we ship a lot of our uh, materials to Washington and then that gets barged up to Alaska have you considered doing anything like that for your supplies and materials um no actually I haven't really considered that um and and the hard part too with epoxy is is I I usually hold off on ordering it just because I like, I like the freshest epoxy I could possibly get. Like even when like my suppliers probably hate me, but when I, when I order it, I just put in the note, like, can you please uh, in the shipment provide epoxy that like that came to your facility the most recently. And for whatever reason, like thread epoxy, just a little, little tidbit is yeah, to get, get the freshest epoxy you can for whatever reason. Uh, the more fresh it is, the scene, the, the more uh, nice it wants to lay down. Gotcha. Um, have you, you know, noticed anything, I guess, um, with your rods since you've been going? I know when we first had you on, uh, you know, you were all about your quality and you still are. 
um, have you noticed, you know, any separation, I guess, between you and your competitors on the type of quality that you provide? Yeah. Um, and that's, that's probably the, the biggest thing that I think I, I came to realize is, you know, in, in the rod building industry, once you get down to the nitty gritty, you know, you look at all these other companies and all their suppliers, it, we really all truly um, can get the same stuff. Like most of this stuff is all coming from, you know, you know, factory X, you know, unless you, you know, design something in house and, you know, you have a big, you know, design team to keep it in house. So the bit, the biggest thing that I really found is um, number one is this warranty and customer service is by far, that's probably pinnacle to everything else. And, uh, and yeah, just uh, as far as the competition goes, you know, you just, yeah, I, I like to say everybody, everybody can make a great rod and everybody can have a, a great warranty. But I think where some people struggle is just being consistent with that. And so that's, that seems to be where, where I try and focus on the most is just making sure quality is always top tier. You know, if I, if I ever finish a rod, it just doesn't look up to stuff. It doesn't look up to standard, whatever. Um, it never sees the light of day. Um, and yeah, just keeping quality control and, uh, and customer service is at the forefront of everything. Yeah. I mean, we touched on it when you were first on, like, I mean, and, you know, part of the reason why you started the business was because of that, you know, the delay is if you broke a rod in Alaska, well, you're kind of SOL until next summer to get your rod fixed and back or replaced or whatever. And, uh, you know, working with Shane, I have seen uh, your warranty in action. <laughs> um, you know, the, the first time I think we had to use it, I had borrowed Shane's uh, six weights for the day. And, uh, the next day, I don't know, I'm sure it was me, but, uh, we, we can put part of the blame on Shane, I guess. Sorry, Shane. Um, when, uh, <laughs> yeah, come on, Shane. <laughs> when he was taking the rods out, you noticed that one of the tips was broken. And, um, you know, I think that was on what, like a Wednesday or a Thursday or something. He called you and was like, Hey man, I got this rod broken, but I'm, you know, I'm guiding. I need I need a tip uh, as fast as I can. And he had that thing in the mail fishing by like what Saturday morning that week, like super fast. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I've heard of other stories, you know, where you, people have told me where you fix their rods super quick and getting back out on the water and enjoying the short summers we got. So I think that's, you know, just a testament to, the quality service that you provide. Dude, yeah, thank you. I, okay. I, I'd like to add on to that because I'm not in Alaska. I'm down in Washington and I was fishing. I broke my rod tip down here and I got it up to you within like a week. And I think like a week and a half later, I was down fishing on the river again. So it's just uh, having that is just awesome. Yeah, thank you. I mean, the the big thing I think what I when I set out to to start all this is, you know, I always wanted to make sure 
that this company was never ever just a flash in the pan you know because i've you know when people start up businesses especially i was like like a 2020 business you know during the pandemic everybody was thinking up stuff and starting stuff and when i started i always wanted to make sure that you know i'm i'm putting out rods for people and more importantly you know sometimes like shane and his family i'm i'm making tools for him to feed his family. Like I, I grew up as a, as a guide's son, and, you know, and that was the number one thing. Like if you, if you go out fishing for like fun fishing, you don't tear up gear. Cause I mean, we weren't rich by any means. And so, you know, you, you break some rods, you're kind of, you got to depend on those things to put food on the table. So that's, that's kind of where I try and come from with that is I always want to make sure that, I'm always steering the company in a way that, you know, if people like, like Shane or, you know, so many other guides where they're, if they're outfitting with me, that I'm always going to be there for them. I'm always going to make sure that they're taken care of and they can continue to do what they do, just put clients on fish. And my job is to just get them through the season, keep them going and, and just harbor the company and that they're always going to be secure and, you know, I'm, you know, in, in five years, my company's not going to be gone. And then now they have all these rods that they can't, you know, get warrantied. I've seen that happen before. And so it's always been something that I'm really hyper-focused on is like, it kind of goes back. Yeah. Anybody can build a great rod, but you have to, you have to kind of treat everybody as the, you know, they're, they're your customers. Sure. But at the same time, like you're not like they're, like I call them the Alaska Rodco family. Like you're, you're in the group. I'm here to, you're a part of, you know, use the word village. You're in my village. I'm going to take care of you. No, well said, man. And it's, it's greatly appreciated. No. And it, having outfitters run your rods too. I mean, I guess that's one thing that happened since we had John last is Shane has switched all of his guide rods over to Alaska Rodco his six weights and his eight weights and, you know, personal rods and, you know, what a better, I mean, there is no better way really to get your rod in front of people. I mean, think of all the clients that we see other outfitters see from all over the country, all over the world. Really. We had people from, you know, uh, Europe last year that came and, and fished with us and, you know, having all those people get to fish your rods and see your rods in action and really understand the quality that they are is huge. That's, that's, you know, advertising you don't even have to pay for really. Yep, exactly. You know, and it's, you know, a guide's always, like I said, I grew up being a, a guide son. I guide a little bit when I got out of high school and it's just, they always got, such a special place in my heart just because it's such a, you know, it's a grind, you know, you guys know better than anybody that, you know, you just, you're grinding all summer, you know, stuff breaks, you know, the boat, you know, you put a bad dent in it, the waiters leak, you know, it's such a, it's such an event, you know, just to get through the season. And so, you know, when something like, yeah, I had, there's multiple times where, you know, guide called me up and said, you know, we were, fighting a fish client got excited and you know grabbed the you know the middle of the the fly rod when he was hauling the fish and just snapped it you know and that that's to be 
to be expected. So you just always got to make sure that, you know, if you're, if you're selling rods, especially to guides, you gotta, it's not if it's when, if you, if you sell a rod to a guide, you gotta be darn sure that you can back that thing up. Dude, it's crazy the abuse that our fly rods go through. You know, people are like, get a tangle and they'll grab it, go all the way to the tip and then like put the reel in the the water and the river's ripping by you while you're anchored. I've had a, uh, I actually had a client catch one of my rods. It fell completely out of the boat and he grabbed it. But it's just crazy. Like that's, it's a good point. I mean, you just, you get, they get abused. You go on walking wades, you lay them down people back up, bump into them, you know, throw stuff on them. So you got to have a pretty durable rod or a pretty durable warranty. And I think you cover both of those really well. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, it, it's funny too, because I, it wasn't until recently, I actually just started seeing people. I, you know, I don't know fishing the rods. I'd just be floating down the river and I'd see on the river bank, I could tell from the black handle off in the distance, you know, and I'll see it like fight the fish or something. They they catch the fish. You know they throw the rod down on the rocks and they're like looking at the fish. And I'm always like kind of looking like, oh, did it break? Did it not? <laughs> Am I gonna see that next week? <laughs> Am I gonna get a phone call from you? <laughs> yep, exactly. But I mean, if you're that's why I always tell folks like I I try and make them where you know you got a you got a beautiful fish on the line. You know take care of the fish when it's coming in. If you got to, if you got to throw my rod down on the rocks to make sure you handle the fish, good, throw the rod on the rock. Like that's, this yeah. is the way it is. Yeah. So here's a, we had an Instagram question come in and someone mm -hmm. wanted to know if uh, you had a research and development development team. And if so, how could they join it? Oh boy. I, I get that question a lot. I do. I do have, my my crew that uh that i'll send stuff to and and have have test out but uh i oh, i wonder who's asked that um i have had a lot of a lot of folks reach out and, and ask that and yeah it's always super tricky to to know who to who to go through, but I always, I always err on the, on the side of caution and just, uh, I usually just run it through all my, all my fishing buddies who I know are, you know, they're, they're not gonna, you know, I'm not going to give them the rod and they're going to say, Oh yeah, this is great. Like, that's wonderful. But I gotta, I gotta be able to know you on a pretty personal level to say like, okay, Matt, like this, this rod's terrible. <laughs> like, don't do this again. <laughs> what are you doing here, Matt? Oh. Yeah, exactly. This is awful. So, so yeah, I definitely, I definitely have my my little inner circle that I have run through testing and stuff like that. So, and we're we're also on the topic of uh, Instagram questions. So, uh, someone else asked, "What is the most exotic fish that you've heard caught on your uh, Alaska Rodco rods?" Hmm. Yeah, I would. Well. I wouldn't say exotic by any means, but uh, I do. There was a, a gentleman who bought a rod on the East Coast and he was going to go up to Canada and catch uh, Atlantic salmon on it. And so I, you know, I wouldn't say it's super exotic, but definitely when I was when I have salmon in mind, it's definitely not Atlantic, you know. Yeah. When when you're building spay rods, have 
do you have like a, a Skagit style and a Scandi style or do you just, are you just kind of like, this is a spay rod. Here we go. Pick a line and let it throw. You know, do you, do you, do you have like a, you know, a rod that's going to be presentable for either one or, or what? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Cause when it comes to spay, that's, that's real. I, they're so line dependent. And so I, all of my spades, if you're going to buy a spade from me, it's going to be centered around Skagit heads. Um, yeah. Things like long belly or Scandi. Um, they're just, they're not really particularly used in, in Alaska here. And so, you know, I've, I've tried out different, different rod blanks and it was kind of just like a, a multi-purpose, you know, spay blank. And a lot of them, yeah, like the ones that are uh, that are softer in the tip, um, they'll they'll throw Scandi just fine. But they're for Spay for Skagit. It's a really specific action that I want. And uh, yeah, there's to to move a Skagit head better than the competition. There's a there's a specific way to get those blanks to do what they do. And so that's, that's what all my spades are built on. And yeah, those, those will definitely be advancing this year as well. So. Yeah. You know, I think too, uh, like, if, you know, Skagit's more of a, you know, general consensus of uh, uh, spay fishermen and Scandi fishermen, you know, I don't know any of them, <laughs> but it just seems like, <laughs> a lot more of a pickier um like choice in lines and and rods and and you know because it, it's just trying to get that perfect presentation yeah yeah i don't i don't know how much scandy casting you guys have done but and i i really haven't done much of it either but yeah once you when you go out and you start casting the scandy and then you go back to sketch you think you're the best spaycaster in the world <laughs> just like oh man i can just launch this thing you know but yeah. yeah it's definitely it's such a different feel with scandy but yeah i definitely i appreciate the folks who can really lay it out there with scandy but yeah definitely sketch up here as king just for turning over those heavy heads you know throwing those big you know air resistant flies it's, you can't beat it yeah have any of your um other rod designs or you know, I know you talked about changing everything over to titanium, but has any of like your designs, your blanks changed since you've started? Um, yeah. So that's, that's one of the things that, uh, that we'll get into here in a couple, couple of months with the, with the big announcement. But yeah, there's been, that's, that's the, just the wonderful thing about, you know, people trusting the brand and growing growing the business i've been able to really take a much deeper dive into into rod items how to make them how to make them better how to you know tailor them for this region and so yeah definitely coming up here you're going to see some major major rod changes that are going to be pretty pretty awesome sweet oh, that's super exciting to Super exciting for folks to you know, have that opportunity to fish. Um, one thing I wanted to ask 
too is I I know like uh, was it last year probably around this time maybe a little bit later I guess um, I know you came to Anchorage to um, attend a TU banquet and you know they auctioned off one of your rods have you been approached by any or I guess how many people or have you been approached by any more people that have wanted to offer your rod as either an auction item or a raffle item or something like that. Oh yeah. <laughs> that happens quite a bit. Um, and it, it was, you know, it, it's so, it's really humbling that, that a lot of folks want, you know, want your product to, to give away at those things. Um, but yeah, I, I will say when I was, when things were really starting to take off, it, it was a little overwhelming where, you know, you know, every, every which way or another wanted a, a rod donation. And so it was kind of, kind of tricky to navigate, you know, what, you know, to give to this event and that event. And so what I, I think moving forward, I just kind of sat down and kind of laid out, you know, what I want to do for that. Cause I mean, a lot of that stuff, it's, it's there's so many great causes, you know, out there. And so I, I sat down and, and moving forward, I made the decision where um, I'll, you know, gladly I want to do donations specifically tailored to uh, conservation and uh, veterans. I think those are, those are two really, really good causes that you can, that you can get behind donate to. Yeah. Like the Cedar river cleanup. Yes. <laughs> yes, it's conservation, baby. Oh man, I'm just fucking with you. No, it's it's good. <laughs> uh, it's, it's great. You, but you, you know, I, I think it's it's hard for for you because you got to be like, there's a a line that you got to ride, right? You got to make money, yeah. and and uh, create rods, and the only way you're going to grow is by income, and so you can't just be giving out rods all the time. You know, even though you want to and you wish you had the capability to, that's got to be like a tough, a tough thing to do or turn away people. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's never, never feels good to to say no to, you know, some stuff that comes up and you just, man, you, just, you wish you could, you could give. But, you know, again, it, it always goes, it goes back to, you know, you want to help as much as you can, but at the same time, like you have to at the end of the day, you have to make sure that you're, you know, steering the company in a, in a direction where, you know, everybody's still taken care of, you know, a hundred percent. So, you know, in, in terms of conservation, I know last time we talked, um, you were, you know, uh, selling some, some merch and, you know, um, promoting, uh, King salmon conservation up, up here in Alaska where are you with that and uh, is there anything else on the horizon with that yeah actually there's there's uh some projects actually in the work for that um yeah shout out to uh shelly art studio she was the one who um designed and made the the king designs for the for the t-shirts and uh yeah it's it's been going well um we were uh able to write a write a small article for uh, Alaska or I think it's just backcountry hunters and anglers magazine and uh, highlighted the t-shirts and uh, it was really good just to kind of uh, spread awareness to the issue. And 
you know, it's such a, that it's so near and dear to my heart, those fish and just trying to get that message out there and try and, you know, create a positive impact and try and make a difference in some way is so hard to do. And, you know, you're, you're constantly trying to, you know, make sure that you're figuring out the ways that can help the most, you know? And I think, I think collectively, you know, through like Keaton down the West coast, all the way up, you know, through Alaska, through Canada into Alaska, you know, and we see the King struggling so much and it's just, it's heartbreaking to, to see those, those mighty fish just going away. And, you know, there's, there's so many avenues where people say, Oh, well, it's, you know, it's, this is a factor and that's a factor. And you know, this is a bigger factor. And, you know, most of those are all valid, but uh, the honest truth is, is you don't see much happening to fix it. And so that's the hard part. And, you know, thankfully I'm going to be partnering with some, some people to try and get a bigger impact going, but that's, it's such a hard thing with those fish to see. And, uh, they just, unfortunately they, they keep getting worse. Um, I think the, the Kenai Kings just got put on a, a stock of concern list and, uh, yeah, it's, it's such a, it's a doom and gloom topic for sure, but it's something that I think we, we as a whole need to keep talking about. And I think, I think that what, for me personally, what I really, really want to drive home is uh, we need to, we all need to self-regulate ourselves if we can, you know, um, I, I don't want to be, you know, the sport fishing guy pointing fingers at the commercial guys and then, you know, the commercial guys pointing fingers at the, you know, at the legislators and all that. I mean, at the end of the day, we, every single user group can do something to lessen your impact on a king. And for, for me personally, like I, I'll fish for, for hatchery kings, but, you know, I, I will not fish for a natural king. I mean, that's my, that's my personal belief. And I just, you know, if, if I can, if I can keep my line out of the water and me personally not touch a king so we can have a better chance at getting to the gravel and spawning, I mean, that, that's what I'm going to do. Cause I mean, to not to sound like a doomsday guy here, but we're kind of, we're in the end game. Because we see, I mean, you look at places like, you know, like the Yukon, like the those poor folks on the Yukon haven't been able to harvest a natural king in so long. They're just, they're not there. They're gone. And, you know, we're in the end game now where, like, you know, you could say, well, this user group is, you know, killing thousands of pounds of them. And that is true. But you know, you look at the, at the grand scheme of things, you know, like these fish are anadromous, they're going out and they're, you know, they're going, going, you know, Lord knows where out in the ocean. So even if like you say, you, 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 we swoop in and we stopped all commercial fishing for them, you know, we shut down all the American trawlers that we have the capability to do and all this kind of stuff. You still got foreign entities out there that they're not stopping. And you know good and well that 
their oversight is little to nothing. And so, yeah, if I had to say anything, it's, you know, now is the time to, you know, if we can, you know, if you can help people argue and say, well, you know, this system's fine, or, you know, I can, I can go out on the salt and, and catch these fish because they're, you know, they're just feeder kings. They're not our fish. They're, you know, they're Southeast or British Columbia's fish. And, you know, every, they're all somebody's fish that go home to somebody's home where, you know, they're, they're waiting to harvest those fish, you know, and, and, and have for generations. And so, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll get off the soapbox, but yeah, there, if we can all, you know, I humbly ask if we can all just try and self-regulate and, you know, if it's just one person not going out and catching that, that one fish, giving it a chance, that's, that's kind of where I believe we are. You know, I think Kyle and I have covered this topic a lot of times. It seems like we always get on to, you know, everyone wants to point a finger and say this is the answer and this is how we solve it. But it's so complex. And it's like the little things that we can do got to benefit you know, our salmon, our trout, our steelhead. Um, and it, it's hard to say, like, hey, I want to just, you know, if I just stop fishing now, this is going to benefit, you know, these these fish because you just, you don't truly know. Like you're saying, we're kind of in a doom and gloom. I mean, you look at, like, science with uh, uh, pollution rates, like down here in Washington, our pollution is like, I mean, shit, dude, we're dumping tire you know tire uh rubber oils brake dust uh anything that's coming off your car you know we have bridges that are just dumping it right into the ocean or a lake or so i mean we're not giving these fish a fighting chance so it's like do you know do we stop you know fishing for these fish and then they're just going to get killed off by all this chemicals or are they going to get killed off like you know, like you said, foreign entities, you know, they go out in the big ocean. So it's such a double-edged sword because you're like, man, I need to, like, I want to see these fish continue, but I also want to, you know, if if I don't have the chance in 15, 20 years, I want to get as much fishing as I can now, you know, and enjoy it. It's, it's such a tough thing. But mm-hmm. Kyle, Kyle, what do you think? No, I agree. And, you know, one thing it kind of makes me think of too is I can't remember where I was listening or reading, but you know, like the the whole nuclear meltdown in Japan, right? I I've heard mm-hmm. stories of people not wanting to eat salmon because those salmon are going out there into the ocean and potentially getting, you know, affected by this um, nuclear pollution, and um, it's not yeah, it's not. Even if we just said, all right, commercial fishing, recreational anglers, trawl or trawlers, whatever, right? No king salmon fishing. It's gonna take a lot more than just us. Just you know, if let's just say everything that's covered, you know, in, a, in America in this country, it's gonna take way more than that to fix the problem. It's gonna take a you know, effort by every single entity, every single user of the resource to be able to figure it out. And, you know, 
doing something, you know, whether that's purchasing, you know, merchandise through you, Matt, or, you know, just education, listening, telling others, it, it all helps, but it's going to take a huge, huge effort to be able to affect this change. So whatever we can do uh, on our own, whatever grassroots we can do is better than standing by and doing nothing, which, you know, again, it's one I've been kind of pushing this this year. It's like, get involved, do stuff, make your voices heard. And, you know, try if you want to see change, the only way to do it is by going to board of game meetings, submitting comments to state legislature, to, you know, national legislature, whatever it is, because you're doing nobody any good by complaining on social media because something happened. Oh, I can't go to the Kenai and catch a 50 pound king anymore. Well, maybe you should have done something about that in the past and said something a little bit sooner, taken action a little bit sooner. So um, yeah, that's, that's my soapboxes. If you, if you're going to either put up or shut up, really is kind of what I'm, what I'm getting. Mm -hmm. at. Yeah. Dude, and, and yeah, you, oh, go ahead. I want to just say, since we're on this, you know, topic of talking about uh, conservation and uh, and the right to hunt and fish, uh, there's a bill in Washington State SJR eight two zero eight, and they're they're putting it up to add hunting, fishing, and foraging into our constitution in Washington State to make it a given right. Um, if you can go comment on that or be a part of that right now, that's a big, big. Uh, it, if it happens and it gets voted in, that's a big win for outdoors, outdoorsmen and women and people that enjoy eating natural um, food, you know, salmon, uh, deer, elk, all the good stuff. Um, if you can make a comment on that, if you're in a Washington state, if you're outside of Washington state, if you can make that happen, that would be, I mean, the world to everyone that's living in Washington state. So I just wanted to add that in there. Right on. Yeah, and I, I think, yeah, just just to touch on, you know, I, every user group has something that they say is the problem. And, yeah, in the grand scheme of things, you know, where it would be, you know, ocean conditions, pollution, trawl bycatch, you know, sport guys or personal use, it's it's probably if, – if somebody is complaining about that that's issue, that's probably one of the issues. It's not just the end-all, be-all, as you all know. So it's – yeah – uh, like you guys said it's just if we can all self-regulate and i mean i see so many just good-hearted wonderful people going to those you know town hall events and you know talking to the commissioner and you know the board of fish or the north pacific fish management council and trying to stay up on all that kind of stuff and you know on some real talk it is my personal belief that you know if if tomorrow we could find out like, okay, this is what's going wrong. Well, we could know the root cause tomorrow. And, you know, I don't think that, you know, it's trying to like steer an ocean freighter. You're not going to make a, a 360 turn, you know, quickly. And so that's, that's why I'm preaching the importance of just self-regulate yourself. Cause no matter what happens, it's getting worse and nothing's going to change quickly. <clears throat> I want to add one thing too, you know, um, I, I want to encourage people. I know I've gone on this. I mean, I did a podcast about it, but I want to encourage people to go out. You can do conservation efforts on your own, right? 
Like you don't need to be part of a giant organization to make a difference. Um, I got the, I just put the Cedar river cleanup. It's out on our Facebook. I'm going to share it on our Instagram. Um, that's run through. I do it through the podcast. I partner with, uh, NWTF, um, the, which helps me out. Um, and you know, I'm just out there. I, I reach out to the local companies and businesses and, uh, you know, add them and get, uh, and get some donations and you know i try to find some food and uh but you don't even have to go that far you can put together something where you just uh ask people to show up make sure that you have something that they can sign you know a waiver or something and just make a difference on some creeks on rivers maybe it's a watershed by your house maybe it's your local lake i mean just go out there and start making a difference you can there's so many things like I know locally that you can sign up and go do tree plantings and stuff for salmon, right? No one talks about this, but you gotta, you just gotta start reaching out. If you seriously want to make an effort, sometimes just doing it yourself and, you know, skipping out on some of the giant organizations, right? You can get lost in that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, you join an organization, you think you're going to help plant trees. Next thing you know, you're in a political debate. So it's like, let's just yep. get shit done. And, uh, if you can, you know, be part of the solution and, and, you know, do what we can, but I think just, you know, to kind of, to end on this, this portion of our conversation, you know, just get out there and do something about it. Um, and like Kyle said, like Matt said, uh, we got to make a difference. And, um, the only way is, you know, talking legislation, uh, getting out there and and doing you know cleanups and and tree plantings and if that's on your own or if that's with a group or whatever but just get out there and do something yeah absolutely well let's uh let's uh get out of this dark topic that we found ourselves yeah i know (laughs) it always gets real quick no it's in it's important but um you know, yeah, you gotta talk about it. You know, you gotta promote it. You gotta do whatever we yep. can to prolong the resource. Because if there's no fish, Matt's not selling rods. So, yep. And Keaton's upset. Keaton, Keaton, mad. Keaton, real <laughs> Keaton angry. Don't make Keaton mad. <laughs> um. Well, let's kind of wrap things up here, Matt. What uh, what do we got in store for twenty twenty four? Oh, hey, that rhymes. What uh, what do we got in store for uh, <laughs> Matt twenty twenty four? Yeah, for uh, either you know you yourself personally, you and your family, or for um, or and for the business. Yeah, so twenty twenty four. Yeah, we're we're already set up to have our biggest year yet. I mean, we're doing, we're outfitting uh, pretty big uh, lodges this year. Um, and then we're doing some pretty big steps in, in rod development and yeah, just, uh, just growing it, getting bigger and yeah, just you know, cranking out more and more rods and just improve them any way we can. And uh, definitely, um, on that too, probably doing more shows and uh, yeah, just trying to trying to be out there a little bit more. Um, I don't really, I don't show my face too often. <laughs> uh, I don't don't leave the shop very much, so I'm I'm gonna try my best to really uh, 
bulk up just a ton of ton of inventory this winter and then hopefully this summer I can I can be out a little more. Nice. Heck yeah. For those who don't see Matt, he's really pale because he just lives inside all the time. So no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, not too far off. I mean, it's funny because I I try and I always want a Alaska rod coat to I try and keep my face out of it as much as possible just because, you know, I want I want folks, you know, when they when they're fishing the rod that that's, you know, it's Alaska rod coat. It's, it's their rod. It's their identity in it, you know. And it was funny. I, I was fishing with, I met up with uh, um, a couple buddies and they're like, is that, is that Matt? Like, is that the guy we're meeting? He's like, I don't know. I don't know what he looks like. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, you know, yeah. Not, not too many people know what I look like, but that's, that's kind of how I like it. That's awesome. You're not going to start putting your, your like, stamp of your face on like the very bottom of the cork of every rod. Just like you just cheese yeah. it. I get a, it's like, like that, uh, what was that movie RV on the, on the side of the RV? There's a giant like guy with a cowboy hat that says rent me. I'm just going to, yeah, just put <laughs> my face on everything. <laughs> you need to add your face and then right next to it, it's got to say, Ka-ka! <laughs> Ka-ka! <laughs> Alaska Rocco. <"Ka-ka!" laughs> I'm telling you, it's your selling point. Yeah. There we go. That's, and that's the podcast come full circle. Yeah, full, that's awesome. Full circle. I want to ask one more question before we end this podcast. And uh, it's been added to some of our recent podcasts. And I I, uh, I love the question. And I, I don't think we've had the opportunity to ask you. Um, what is one word that describes yourself? One word. Hmm. That's a tricky one. Honestly, I think I think what it comes down to is just I want to say compassion. For some reason that word just sticks in my head. Um yeah, a lot of a lot of folks have told me growing up that yeah, I just have a knack for compassion just for, for people, um, you know, the, uh, animals, the environment and what, whatever I, you know, I, I may not talk very good or, you know, look the part in some ways, but, you know, I, I always try and put myself in other people's shoes and, you know, try and show compassion and, and yeah, yeah, just try and give a little grace and try and try and care as much as you can. That's awesome. I like it. Yeah. Well, cool, Matt. Man, we appreciate you hopping on. Um, is there any any closing thoughts you have? And oh, and then uh, where can people find you if they want to follow you or, or learn more about Alaska Rodco? Yeah, uh, you can go uh, alaskarodco.com. You can also find me on Facebook um, or on Instagram. And uh, yeah, as far as closing thoughts, just yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. You guys, you know, a couple of years ago or whatever, when you had me on, you know, I didn't know you guys at all. And you guys have become such dear friends to me. 
and then springboard off of that, you know, just, just adds to everything that Alaska Rod Co. has come to be to anybody who's listening. It's, it's because of you guys and I am just forever grateful and always make sure that I got you guys' back and yeah, let's just keep growing this thing and let's go fishing. Hell yeah. I heard the bald eagle screech in the background on that one. I'm pretty sure it was a crow. Yeah, the caca. <laughs> yeah, the caca. I blew it. I should have ended with the caca. <laughs> well, let's rerun it. Rerun. Yeah. Start from the beginning. Yeah. I forgot to hear the word again. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. But all right, Keaton. Shall we uh take this one on out? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, but first, before we send it out, Matt, I just need to hear the caca once. Caca! Oh, yeah, there it is. That's that's the there you go. You forced it out of me. Twenty twenty four, baby. <laughs> Matt's Matt Crow Alaska Rodco caca, baby. Getting after it. <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, it's been a fun one. This one was a great podcast. Uh, we love having Matt on. Matt's such a stand up dude uh passionate compassionate i mean all of the things that he said or preached or we say about him you know we we love to represent him on our podcast because of what he does right um there's not a lot of people in the business like matt and uh if you can if you got some you know holiday money some christmas money uh your birthday's coming up uh you're just looking for a new rod you need to go on to alaska rod co today and order yourself one so uh thank you matt again for coming on and uh we appreciate you brother um some updates uh so usually where i hold my fly tying events uh we had a pipe freeze and uh i think they just got it fixed and then i'm just waiting on some material from spawn i'm gonna put that together and then i'll get a date as soon as i can it's been kind of a I know I've said the last couple of podcasts, I've been waiting for that, but really I have been waiting. Um, so when that all comes together, I'll post it on our Facebook and Instagram and you guys can sign up. Uh, I also want to say that August 10th, um, 2024 Cedar River cleanup. Uh, I'd love to see some of you guys there, uh, guys and gals, anyone's welcome. Come on down. If you're going to pick up some trash with me, you're more than welcome. Um, you can sign and just, just follow us right now on the Facebook page. If you got Facebook, um, we'll be, you know, sharing there and then I'll be doing updates as we get closer. Uh, but that's just kind of a save the date, uh, Mark. So, uh, yeah, get ready for that. Um, I don't know. Oh, you can check us. Uh, Ellensburg angler is booking. Um, I'll be guiding on some weekends. So if you're looking to fish with me, uh, check that out. But if, uh, you know, you're just looking out for a trip, you can go to Ellensburg Angler. Uh, all the guides there are stand-up dudes, and uh, we'd love to see out this with us, you know, spring, summer, or fall. Um, so if you can, come out with us. And uh, Kyle, what about, what? what's up with Bear Paw? Yeah, we're starting to get stuff booked up. Um, you know, we got trips already booked in September, August, July. So, um, if you're coming up to Alaska and you want to fish, um, you know, off the road system, we got big trout, we got salmon, grayling, 
Um, we, we got Pike, whatever you want to chase. Uh, we're an hour and a half north of Anchorage. Get on the calendar now. You know, if you're if you know you're coming to Alaska, you got a day to fill in on a week long, 10 day long trip with the family. You want to get out for a day, we'll get you on the water, we'll get you know, one of Matt's rods in your hands, and we'll fish one of Matt's rods and uh, I'll show you a good time. Um, like I said, things are starting to book up, so you know, we're probably going to start guiding here late May, early June, and we're going to go as late as we can. Normally, we go into October, so try to keep us busy as long as possible and uh, hope to see you up here so um you can contact shane you know through the instagram page phone number on the website whatever's easiest shane is sure to answer whatever and um yeah we uh we appreciate you guys listening izzy says izzy says bye <laughs> hey um I just want to add a few more things. Uh, make sure to, you know, I've, I've shown some love to Matt here, but I just want to also show some love to our our, uh, our partners here. Uh, we got Alaska Rod Co. We got Shell's Art Studio, Slay Jays, NWTS South Sound Strutters, um, and Heather's Choice. If you haven't checked out the Heather's Choice uh, Shark Tank episode, make sure to go show some love to that and uh you know put it in order and support heather and and heather's choice uh shell's art studio i just saw her instagram story today on uh january 18th and she's burning doing some like art but like on a it looks like a tray i believe it's like wood burning it looks awesome so if you got you know you need a new charcuterie board go check that out you know show some love um, Slay Jays, she's going to be at the Sportsman Show. So is NWTF, South Sound Strutters, and NWTF Washington. They're kind of combined. Russ there is running both um, the both NWTF local and state. Um, so go show some love. Go support Slay Jays. She's slaying it. Literally, um, they're catching some toads on her jig. So um, show some love there. And then, uh, yeah, I mean – just a, a lot going on and you know we're just really thankful to have people uh like you guys and gals listening to us uh week after week uh sometimes i feel like i just blabber on like i'm doing right now um but you know you guys keep continue to support us and uh we're hoping that there's some great things down the line for the young guides podcast and for uh matt crow so uh that was a long-winded exit but i i, I did want to say real quick talking about uh our partners uh slay jay's episode adriel's episode on the podcast was our top episode for 2023 oh shit that's dope that's dope yeah i'm behind it so well i think i've talked long enough uh we appreciate you guys so much and uh this was another episode of the young guys podcast we'll catch you on the next one Ka -ka -ka.